Hey everybody, welcome back to the Golden Hour Podcast, and today we are joined by my very special friend, Cam Mackey. How you doing today, Cam? I'm doing good. I'm all jacked up on pre-workout. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Now, what's interesting is that actually um, Dave and you, we're all friends mm-hmm. of the same people, but you and Dave has actually never met before yeah. right now. It's pretty crazy. Hi, Cam. Yeah, and we used to live kind of close to each other too, like within 45 minutes. We're, oh, yeah, in California. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Pasadena yeah. for that last uh time up there. So yeah, I, I was guess there too. Oh, so you guys were within just, a couple uh, minutes. Neglecting of me. <laughs> yeah. He was scared. He's like, that hey, guy looks homeless. Stay away. Hey, I don't know about that. If you go back and look at our DMs, I did reach out to you and you never responded. <laughs> <laughs> My then, DMs are a mess. I a slid mess. into those DMs and uh no response from Cam. <laughs> I don't see half of them on there. Connor knows. I've shown Connor. Oh, (laughs) yeah. To be fair, uh, there's been multiple moments where we could have met. In fact, you were here in Nashville not even too long ago, and I believe I had COVID that Mm -hmm. week. So... Um, naturally we hung out, we, you know, we wrestled together, (laughs) (laughs) we shared drinks together. No, no, I, I was obviously not able to meet up with you. Um, the one time you were here. So anyways, the world just keeps separating it. Yeah. But we look at us now. Yeah. We mentioned you in the last show. I love, I've been watching your content, you know, this whole, the whole journey and the Canon switch recent, the Canon to Sony switch recently has, stirred up the pot a little bit and we talked about it and mm-hmm. um and then you commented and were like get me on the show i'll be there so thanks for being here yeah thanks for uh inviting me you guys were working together in california and stuff not really i mean we did some just things i think before. we mostly just got together and drank whiskey on occasion <laughs> yeah that's yeah. pretty much all we did that's probably all we did and, and honestly then, cam's hard to get a hold of i mean i'm like hey dude let's hang out he's like mm, nah i'm busy <laughs> Or no, or come no. drive out this way. I'm like, oh, yeah. drive out to me, man. <laughs> it's just, it's I, I'm like, I get booked out for like a month, and then I have like a month or two of just editing, mm-hmm. and I become a recluse, and so my schedule's all over the place. You're a busy man. You're a busy, man. especially now. I've seen uh, all over your Instagram and YouTube and stuff. You are like constantly gone on road trips and stuff. Yeah. What's that yeah, about? Yeah, because I moved to Austin like six months ago. And then since then, I've probably been here about half the time. The other half the time, I'm traveling for work and stuff. So You moved out of LA. Why did you leave? Um, I grew up in California and I am just was just over it. The just prices and people. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> California yeah. people. But um, I visited Austin, fell in love with it. But once I got out of California, a lot of interesting stuff started to happen to where, uh, like California has this weird thing of making you think like you can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert Rodriguez was interviewing Quentin Tarantino and they said this interesting thing about being outside of LA, you start to think out of the box because you're outside of the box. You're not in where all the BS is at in LA. Mm-hmm. And so after I moved out, like my mind just kind of, like all of the passion projects I've ever wanted to do just kind of slammed me in the face. And it was like, you could do those. Like, why aren't you out there doing those? Mm. So uh, now I'm part of moving to Arizona or Santa Fe, New Mexico <laughs> in August. So we'll Heck see. yeah. Do Arizona. Yeah. Arizona's cool. Yeah. Why I'm are you leaving Austin here. already? You just got there. <laughs> well, I just, I don't get to do anything here. I'm just traveling all the time. I'm always in the Southwest. Like that's where my heart is. That's where my tribe's at too. So 
Gotcha. Yeah, I'm just trying to get closer. I thought you were doing a lot of stuff in Montana. That too. Yeah. <laughs> That's far from everything though. Yeah. I was Except up Montana. There, uh, last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Well, right we on. definitely want to talk about that. Um, but first, tell me about your camera journey. The mm. cam camera journey, because I'm having a hard time tracking all oh. the camera brands you've gone through. Uh, it's weird being on YouTube. Uh, I can't show majority of the work that I do in like my actual professional career, just because you know it's for actual brands. I don't even want to ask them if I could do BTS because they're gonna look at me like, no, that's not why we're paying you all this money. So all these switches that I've done, people just. I think a lot of people just see me as just being on YouTube and a guy that's just like fiddling around with his gear and not really do much with it. But I started off with Canon, just like most people did. T2i, very first camera, mm. uh, changed my life. Uh, after that, I stopped shooting for a little bit for like half a year. And then I got the, what's the 6D? It was like my first full frame camera. The yeah. 6D, the one that uh, you hate, right, Dave? <laughs> no, the 6D Mark II is the one. I oh, hate. you hate the Mark II. The Got 6D it. original is actually better than the Mark II. Uh, it has a better dynamic range. I mean, looking back, they're all kind of crap now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I started to get more into like video. Uh, and then my mind just was opened up to mirrorless cameras. This is like six years ago. So I started to do a deep dive in mirrorless and saying, oh, like you could see the image to the viewfinder, autofocus is better, you could do video on them, like all of it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I switched into Fuji because it was the most affordable. I wasn't making much off photography back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched to Fuji, used that forever, started a book way more, got into Sony because I was waiting for the R5. R5 came out, got the R5. I had the Komodo at the same time. It was a perfect match. Uh, but most of my clients, they didn't even need all that komodo quality like it was overkill and so r5 had that for three years r5c and now sony again has it been three years since the r5 that's nuts yeah holy cow yeah that's why a lot of people like this guy switches so much i'm like i was with canon for freaking three years yeah that's that's a good amount of time i think it was three years I think it was two years. I don't know. I don't know yeah. it. So people in relationship know. terms, that's like ready to settle down and get married, have some kids. That's longer you know than any relationship I've been in. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. So, um, so it's just been a natural progression of gear as you've developed your career and the types of jobs you're shooting. It's demanded more of whatever. Yeah, it's all every switch I've done wasn't just for the hell of it. It was because of actual work. Mm -hmm. You know, when you use a camera in the field for a year, you start seeing all of its upsides and downsides. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe this I'm. And also, too, my career has grown like a shit ton in the past three years. Like every six months, I'm getting new opportunities I never thought I'd be able to do. So when that happens and you're getting all this money coming in, you're like, well, I might as well upgrade my gear. So I'm like, you know, ready for the next big thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what just kept happening. So now the FX6, everything that I'm about to get into now, like I've never done before. So this camera is just kind of going to be my goat. Yeah. Uh, workhorse, you know. Do you, st- do you still have the Komodo? Yeah, I was, bu- I was just about to ask that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I sold that. I don't know if I ever covered that because a lot of people still think I have the Komodo. I don't um, think yeah. I ever heard that you sold it. So mm. it's like the Armando people thinking he still shoots on the c500 yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the komodo was great um but it's 
a proper cinema camera and my clients like they don't need all that quality because a lot of it's going to social media some of it's mm-hmm. going on commercial but it's not like million dollar ads or anything like that um and so it was kind of overkill so when the r5c came out i was like the raw on here is pretty damn good uh and it has all the focus and all that so when i got the r5c i still look komodo mm-hmm. and that okay. kind of became your yeah yeah i feel like if the komodo had a full frame sensor in it that would that'd be awesome but because it doesn't, and it's yeah. actually a little bit more of a crop than Super 35, I believe, right? And um, No, it's less. It's a 1.3. But if you're shooting 60 FPS, mm. it goes to 1.6. Okay, yeah. I don't or remember. 48. No, actually 48. Yeah. People tore me up in the comments on my video about that because they all thought I said it like kimono. Like, you know, like <laughs> the, the thing yeah. that you wear. Yeah. Um, did you say it so, like that? Yeah, did you? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it was deserved, Dave. Uh, yeah. Red Komodo. Yeah, I said this red is how I said. Kimono. Listen, here's here it goes. Red Komodo. I said it really fast, so uh, it sounds like it sounds like Komodo. Yeah. Okay, so you're on the FX6 now, and you're with Sony. Yeah. And how yeah. do you feel about that switch? Because I was watching your video. It seems like you're pretty overall happy with the switch, but now that you've had time to settle with it and you've used it a few times, do you feel like it was a good switch? Because you're losing photo capabilities with the FX6. So now you have two different cameras to do the two different things. Yeah. Well, not only that, you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would assume you've messed around with Sony cameras over the years too, right? Like you use the A7R4 and other Sony yeah. cameras, right? Yep. And that's what I explained in the video. When I had the A7R4, I was still, that was what, four years ago, three or four years ago. I was still trying to figure out how to get the look I wanted, which was a film look. Since then, I started to shoot more film, and then I was able to match them side by side to digital, and now I know how to get with any camera pretty much. And so, um, but yeah, the whole switch, um, I was just uh, replying, I was like on the treadmill at the gym, and that's usually when I go and reply to YouTube comments and um, I just nice. replied to someone saying the A7R5. You're so much more R5, efficient than we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's not a bad I'm idea. So, like, I have so much going on that I just, I try to any moment. But um, the A7R5, honestly, is a boring camera mm. to me because it just does everything I need it to do. There's like no thrills. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no challenge. Yeah, there's no challenge. There's no excitement to it. There's no downsides to it for me. It's just, the tool I needed, it does the job. I'm recording on it right now. Like it's just, mm. this is what I needed. Um, again, I thought the R5C would be this, but of course, battery life and limited dynamic range, mm-hmm. uh, and then the whole lens things. Like I didn't. Well, want that doesn't make it boring. other lenses. <laughs> it, yeah, it makes it a challenge. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like the whole, I was okay at my lenses, but the issue is you start learning about all these other lenses and you're like, damn, that mm. lens would be great for this. That mm-hmm. lens would be great for that. All of a sudden I was like, like I've, I've always ignored Sony stuff for the past three years because I was having my Canon stuff. And then when I started to like pay attention to it, I'm like, they're offering a lot of stuff that would be solutions for a lot of the issues I'm having with the Canon stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to like, you know, uh, get over my own pride on raw, raw, raw Canon and just be like, I I really could give two shits about what the brand is on it. Like I'm so like just in the past six months, I've been so focused on work Mm -hmm. um, and passion projects and getting to the next level. Um, I'm at a phase where all of my internal circle and friends, they're all getting to next levels. And um, it's healthy when you're in a circle like that, because it pushes you as well. 
And so the whole camera, th- that's what's hard about being on YouTube is obviously gear is important, but at the same time, like when I'm in public and people want to talk about gear, like, a, like if I get noticed in public, something like that, I'm like, I don't want to talk about gear with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> if there's any other questions we could talk about, like I'm down to talk about color grading and color science and theory and mm-hmm. uh, storytelling and uh, techniques and yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, so, I'm loving the switch. So what you're saying. So is, anyways, we're back to, back to gear. Yeah. I was uh, going to say, so you don't want to talk to <laughs> about gear with us is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, this is a different occasion. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, what were the what are the solutions that Sony solves for you that you mentioned that you you when you were on the Canon camp and you were looking over to Sony what were those solutions um, that they solved? Um, you know just selling out and how and much money did they pay you to Sony do it? and yeah <laughs> that we'll we'll get into that uh, later but uh, huh. <laughs> there um, it is. yeah again just like another um, just. The main thing was dynamic range on the Canon cameras. Um, I was able to stretch it, but there's a lot of times where, I mean, for video, uh, like half of the work that I do, yeah, for video, half mm-hmm. the work I do, I'm shooting video alongside of stills on fashion commercial campaign type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be the photographer, now I become the videographer. Once a brand finds out you can do video, <laughs> and if you do it decent, yeah. they just want you for video and you get paid half the amount that you did <laughs> for the photo end. Um, the, the Sony camera, like the fact that Canon's only given a C-Log 3, even when you shoot raw on the R5C, I'm getting way more dynamic range. So when I stretch the file and I bring those shadows and highlights down, yeah. there's a lot of color info in there and they're not clipping. When you go to XFABC, go C-Log 3, it, you could tell that it's clipping blacks. Mm-hmm. Where you try to pull it up and they're just like, the information's not there. And it's it's strange. Mm-hmm. And so Sony has S-Log 3, no matter what the camera is. Even if it's super noisy, I can still do noise reduction. I still have all that dynamic range to play with. Yeah. Um, there's that. There's all the other lens choices to where um, it's just the whatever. Lenses, yeah, way better lens options. Way, way. And even when it comes to like the whole like anamorphic thing, um, the R5C just wasn't like planning out how I thought it would. It's still mm-hmm. a great camera. Anyone who buys that camera, it's a great camera. I'm not knocking you down. If you got that camera, it's great. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. I'm not saying it's not great. Um, but the C70 would be a better camera for what I need. But <clears throat> Super 35, I'm just not like all the anamorphic lenses are coming out. Um, I might get the Atlas Mercury lenses. Mm-hmm. I don't want to dumb down those dent lenses by shooting Super 35. I know a lot of people are going to have issues with that too. But if I have the option to have full frame and shoot anamorphic mm. on a native mount, I'm going to do that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it's just all those. I was going to say, yeah, because I, I have the C70. I've, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, that's what we're using right now for this shot. Um, and you know, it's got C-Log 2 and 10-bit, 422, and even a RAW option now and face tracking. And, you know, I do have to use the Turbo Booster and use EF Glass to get something that I'm pleased with, uh, which is annoying. So there's a lot of annoying things yeah. about Canon. And um, I feel like there's less on Sony. Would you agree? Less annoying yes. stuff? Less compromises. Mm. What are the annoying things, though, on Sony? Because there are some things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on the FX6, they don't push a lot of the monitoring tools to their external monitor. Um, like waveforms, there's no false color on any of the Sony cameras. This is freaking wild. Even in the FX6. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. So you have to use um, a monitor you for have, that. Yeah. 
Yeah, an external monitor. Like you kind of need an external monitor for this camera. You could do everything on here, but the monitor that comes on this is pure garbage. Um, so again, this is what's crazy that people think I sold out to Sony, and but it's like I'm. These cameras are my tools for my trade. Like I'm gonna be honest about mm -hmm. whatever's wrong with them. Um, in order to do autofocus tracking, you have to you can only do touch. Uh, where on the A7R5, I could have a button to, tr to trigger tracking, which on the C70, you could kind of do too already. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, um, yeah, there's no other like real annoyances. <laughs> but, Battery life is great. Like dynamic range is great. Noise is great. Like Yeah. The, the main issues that I've heard from Sony shooters is just the lack of continuity between all the different cameras. Like you go from an a seven four, which has some of the newer focus modes, mm. um, that aren't on the a seven S three, like, um, the, the focus breathing compensation. It's like, Hey, can we have that on the a seven S three and the FX three? And then also cameras yeah. like the FX three and the FX 30 that are called cinema cameras that are in the cinema line of category, uh, from Sony, they don't have shutter angle and waveforms and yeah. the things that are on your FX six just in terms of software, I feel like they should be on the FX3, FX30. It's okay to not have built-in NDs. That's a compromise that you're making getting a smaller camera like that. Mm -hmm. But I would love to see better continuity between just all their cameras. And it just seems like, honestly, I think Sony's like kind of business model is to come up with a new thing. And even if it is firmware-based, they're going to kind of just treat it like hardware. So it's like, hey, we have a new feature it's a really great, essentially a firmware update, but you know, you got to get it on this camera. You got to buy the A7R5 if you want this feature, right. you know? <laughs> Which is something that yeah. in theory should be easy enough to just update old cameras and be mm -hmm. done with it. But people keep buying I mean, I, cameras. <laughs> yeah, I have mixed feelings about it though because coming from Canon, I'd rather Sony keep coming out new bodies that have new features that will Sure. Hopefully, eventually trickle down. Which there's a rumored A1 firmware is supposed to come out next month to nice. fix all the complaints and everything. Um, so everyone that's complaining about the inconsistency because a new camera came out when their two to three old camera doesn't have the same features, um, I'd rather take that than the Canon just coming out new cameras <laughs> that don't have major yeah. uh, features, mainly like C log two. Absolutely, yeah. I, th so, I think so I think it's this give and take. I agree. I, th I think at this point, it's it's ridiculous for Canon to ship these higher end hybrid cameras like the R5 or you know we're, Connor's camera right now um, mm -hmm. off camera is the R6 Mark II that he got because he works with a Canon shooter um, quite a bit, and so it just made sense for him to have it. But he just dumped his R5 and went to the R6. It's a little better in low light. It's got better autofocus. Uh, it finally has continuous recording. There's no cutoff anymore, but still got that tiny micro HDMI port. Mm -hmm. Still has really weird wobbly IBIS for wide angle lenses. Still only has C log three. Still only has C log three. It's like it's it's unacceptable at this point, especially now that I feel like, and I I want to get your feedback on this because you just poured all your money into Sony. I feel like Lumix is like rising from the ashes. Panasonic mm -hmm. released the S5 Mark II. We were super blessed to be able to get some hands-on time with that, and uh, I have one here. And I, I I feel like it serves all the things that I wanted Canon to do all these years. Um, I feel like Lumix has actually done it, and the autofocus is very competent. They have the best IBIS in the game. They've got great colors, um, you know, full frame. What are your thoughts on the Lumix uh, system now that they finally have take a, taken a bite out of the Apple? 
<laughs> so when I first posted my my change to Sony, <clears throat> that's when the new Panasonic came out. So my comments were bombarded <laughs> with people. There she saying, is. Why don't you have the Lumix? Also, shout out to Condor Blue. I love their new cages that have that uh, extra piece in the middle. Because mm-hmm. um, when you're using like follow focus and all that, like it would shift what are you talking cages. About? Right here? So that extra sturdy piece, the one that's between the grip. This guy right here. The extra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It adds so much more stability when you're actually nice. rigging your camera out. Mm. Um, but anyway, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I think cool. it's a freaking <laughs> amazing camera. Um, like for I, a lot of comments that are coming in right now on those Sony videos that I've done is uh, people asking for recommendations, and I'm either telling them either go Sony or go Panasonic. I would go Panasonic if someone's totally new to video because as their career grows. Panasonic and their new lineups going to grow. So all the new cameras are come out with the face detection, all the other lenses are to come out with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the new face detection just kind of changed the game for them. So it's all still kind of new. I would say they're a little bit behind. um, They are. Because they don't have an FX6, Mm -mm. you know? Yeah. They don't have multiple body options that are either better for video or better for photos. Like, so once they have that, um, like I would maybe throw in some of the cameras to mix into there. Yeah, they, they um, essentially, but for now, I was going to say they essentially have only released their A7 IV or R6 Mark II style body. So they've got a yeah. ton of cameras still to fill out the line. But from what we understand, they are working on those actively. Absolutely. And it'll be really exciting to see what they make in the future to compete. It's nice to have another mm-hmm. camera company finally competing with Canon and Sony. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've been the top dogs for... Yeah for too long canon especially canon mm-hmm. i i almost like that they're getting all this flack because they well one deserve it mm-hmm. but two i feel like once they get knocked down a few pegs hopefully <laughs> they can learn from their mistakes and then start making actually good stuff again they haven't they've yeah, never I, learned in the past <laughs> they, they really haven't so well we'll yeah. see they need to get some humility um I was, I've been such a fan. I mean, I still have this. This is broken. I need to either send it into Canon or just sell it as is. But this was like, if you've watched any of my old videos, this is like one of my favorite cameras. And we built Kinotika with this camera, the 1DC. That's a great uh, camera. It was so much fun. And at the time, there was nothing like it. It shot Canon log, continuous recording, 4K. Um, it's a big, chunky tank now. But uh, yeah, I, I want Canon to win. I want them to make good stuff. And honestly, the C70 is pretty much perfect uh other than it not being full frame yeah. if it was full frame to me it, it would be yeah um and but, for audio listeners that was the 1dc we were talking about canon 1dc what did i say it wrong i just you just said this i think so i think i said at one point but oh, okay anyway. you guys can t- you can probably make an educated guess if i'm holding a big chunky camera <laughs> from the it's past me yeah. it's probably the 1dc Truth. anyways um yeah what do you think about that yeah i think that the c70 would have been great if if they came out with a full frame C70, it's not going to be six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That shit's probably going to be like eight K plus. Mm-hmm. Where this is the same price of a C70 almost. Yeah, uh, and it's full frame and zero compromises. No, I I despise speed boosters. <clears throat> I, yeah. I despise adapters. Like I just love native stuff. Um, it's just when I'm out in the field, I I don't want to fiddle with anything. I just want my rigs to be tight, compact, easy to use, no finicky things on there mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, so that's why I despise. 
I was going to say, you don't have time for that because your jobs are real <laughs> fast paced and gritty and guerrilla style. Yeah. So that's just, again, if the C if they had a full frame C70 for $6,000, I probably would have gotten that, but yeah, I don't think they'll they ever don't. make it. And I don't like think that. they will. That's the thing is uh, Lumix, especially back on that topic, I feel like they are always going to have the advantage even over Sony and Canon because, because they're kind of like on the third tier or maybe even four below Nikon. Nikon, by the way, this whole conversation is over in the corner and just like, hi, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they do have that, the Z9, which is actually really amazing, but nobody uses it. I, I don't know, but yeah. photographers maybe use it. I don't know. I mean, the, the video features are great, but it's just weird. Nobody, uh, it doesn't make sense for somebody to buy that in my opinion. <laughs> but anyways, um, there, I Lumix, mean, definitely if, 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 if I was to be, like just getting into videography right now, I probably get that new Panasonic mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm obsessed with anamorphic. So that yeah. full sensor readout, like that would, I would totally go with that camera, but mm -hmm. yeah. Want to come up? We, in fact, oh. <laughs> I did it. Hey, there's a pup. Hey, who's hey. this? What's his name or her, her name. name? That's, that's Sedona. Hi, Sedona. <laughs> How's she doing? Good girl. She's good. She's living her best <laughs> life. Bless you. Bless her. Bless you again. You still, you still, uh, you still taking her on your road trips with you on jobs? Oh yeah, she loves them. I might take her on a flight back to California in a few weeks here. Oh nice, right on. I don't know how she's going to do on that, but we'll see. But I think what I was trying to get at is Lumix because they're having to compete with the big dogs. They seem to just have a great job of they do a really good job of pricing the camera. Uh, for the last couple of years, even, um, their cameras are just priced really well. And I think that'll continue. So, I mean, the value you're getting out of the S5 II now for under $2,000, uh, and by under, I mean $1 under, but, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty powerful. And I actually did a shoot, uh, last week with Soundstripe where we shot a whole commercial on the S5 II using, uh, anamorphic lenses. So I got to experiment and play with that. Uh, we're shooting the three point. 3k or whatever anamorphic super 35 with um they've got ibis that's tuned specifically for anamorphic shooting which is really cool so um and it looked great it's got the d squeeze and everything it's full 2x anamorphic lenses i wish more cameras had better support for anamorphic and shutter angle shutter angle is big i wish other cameras did that yeah i mean it's a pretty damn it that camera I feel like has almost zero compromises. I think though, isn't it a 1.5 X crop for 60 FPS? Yeah, it does have a crop just like the yeah. 7.3 did. Cause yeah, it's, that, it's a comparable sensor. My, mm -hmm. It's sharing, yeah, that's, it's that's sharing an older sensor. Yeah. But again, the, the, the back to that is that, well, it's, you know, it's $2,000. So yeah, um, they're using an crazy. old sensor. So yeah, I mean, that's, they're, that's like the best bang for your buck. Again, anyone who's just getting into like videography, I would 1000% go that way. Um, what about Blackmagic these days? Have you ever messed with those cameras or do you think that's out oh, of that, that the category? That was my now? first cinema build out was the Pocket 4K. Um, I was obsessed with that camera, but obviously it's micro four thirds. Um, that limits you in a number of ways, but um, that camera shit out on me multiple times. <laughs> uh, the last time it happened, I was in Montana filming Navy SEALs jumping in freezing cold rivers through the snow, kept snowing on us. We're like hiking five miles out um, and it kept just shutting off on me. I don't know what was happening to it. So, oh, man. <clears throat> and all the ports, you had to rig it out 
with um, a USB-C for the drive thing and then an external battery and rig it all out. And that's what started my hatred for <laughs> complex rigs. It's just mm-hmm. every little uh, cable that you're putting in there is a opportunity for it to fail. And when I'm out on location, I'm out in the middle of Montana or Wyoming, Arizona, wherever I'm at, uh, I can't have that happen to me yeah. while I'm out there. So mm-hmm. um, the image quality, though, come out of the black magic, you could color grade the shit out of that camera and it looks amazing. Um, mm. But it just sucks that I hope one day they come out with the box camera. Them and Panasonic, if they both did that, I'm definitely yeah. trying out both of those cameras. That'd think, be awesome. I think we'll be seeing a box <laughs> camera from Panasonic soon, hopefully. Um, I don't have any inside sources on that, but... Um, they've done it before and they'll probably do it again. Feel it so. in your gut. Feel it in my gut. Yeah. Down in my, yeah. my plums. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned earlier that, <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you now have developed a look that you're really proud of a film look. Um, can you talk about that? Talk about your process of, you know, just color and what you love and what you don't love and what you've learned along the way yeah. to achieve that look. When I got the R5, thank you. Uh, When I got the R5, I uh, did a video on shooting film side by side, and I noticed that the R5's colors looked just like pretty close to Portra. Mm -hmm. But all it needed was a curve. Um, People, a lot of these like people that are just have started shooting in the past couple years, they totally neglect curves and they just do all hue and saturation and the three color wheels. That's all they do. When you go into curves and you start manipulating the contrast, that's when you really start getting a look out of photos. Otherwise, you're just uh, you're just hoping that the internal color science is going to do everything for you. <clears throat> so I noticed on the R5, I developed a curve look to where when I put it next to Portra doing the same exact shot, it looked super similar. And so dummy me i was like i'm interested like this is like six months after i figured all this out i went back to my old a7r4 files that used to take me forever to edit because i'd have to go and mask and just i didn't know what i was doing with it and i applied the same type of concept and i was like oh shit like this looks really good actually (laughs) (laughs) and so i remember in my head i was like did i ever have to switch or blah 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 but it was like a a feigning thought like i didn't put Mm -hmm. too much uh, energy into that um so yeah, after you do the curves, then you I just do micro hue adjustments. Like I will adjust skin tones, adjust white balance, uh, and then I do a very subtle three-way, uh, three-color wheel look. I usually do like a pinkish tone in the highlights, uh, warmer tones in the mids, and then slight greenish blue in the shadows. And that's just to mimic mm-hmm. uh, Portra 400 being scanned through uh, the Frontier, the Fujifilm Frontier scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets a very specific look. Um, so when I shoot film, that's how I usually get developed. Um, so the whole look I developed was based around that. So now just, it's real, my workflow is very simplistic. Um, I could apply it to any camera and it looks great, especially, uh, again, even the latest Sony colors, I think they, like, it's funny, you watch all these camera comparisons on like the straight out of color cameras or straight out of camera colors, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they all look very similar. It's like, there's yeah. not that big of a difference anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, it used to be uh, as a gear reviewer when when we started, and definitely before us, but when we started, it was like right during the vlog kind of revolution with Casey Neistat and all that and Peter McKinnon. Mm -hmm. And there was so many variety, like there were so many issues with cameras 
for the what was happening on YouTube at the time. So there was a lot to kind of talk about. It was like, well, Sony cameras are great. They got great autofocus, but the color science is really bad and it's only eight bits. So mm-hmm. you can't like you can't shoot log because it looks like garbage. And, you know, uh, you, and there's no flip screen, so you can't see anything. But Canon has flip screens, but they only do 1080p and they cut off every 20 minutes. And, you know, it's a really soft, grainy looking image, but the color science is great. And there's no built-in mic, you know, like yeah, mic port or Panasonic whatever. doesn't have autofocus. Yeah. But everything else works great. Yeah. Panasonic has actually been really good for a long time, except for their autofocus. So that's great that they finally changed it. But I think now, like you just said, when you line all the modern kind of flagships up or even just like mid-tier cameras like the a7 and the R6 and the the S5 II. Mm-hmm. When you line them all up, anything that would be considered modern right now, you take a picture, especially a raw photo, or even now because most of them offer 10-bit video recording, you can pretty much get them all to look almost the same. If not, you know, use a transform and resolve to actually make them literally look the same. Does color science even matter anymore? Definitely not. Um, maybe three to five years ago it did. Um, but at this point, I, I got a lot of flack uh, when I said um, people need to learn how to color grade their log footage. And if they don't learn how to do it, that's not the camera's fault. That's their fault. Um, a lot of people are like, well, that doesn't work for my workflow or I'm just an amateur, blah, blah, blah. I don't care who you are. If you're shooting log, that means you're trying to get it to look a specific way. That means you're aware of the quality that it can do. So it's your responsibility to learn how to manipulate that because all log is, it's just like a flat profile so we can do whatever we want with it. It's the artist. That's the main thing. Like we're, we're all artists. If you buy a camera, you have something artistic within you and you're trying Mm -hmm. to visually say something. Um, And if you're not trying to visually say something, you're just a gear person, then that's fine. But then Mm -hmm. this conversation doesn't like, this isn't for you then. Um, But for everyone else, again, if you're aware of log and you're shooting a log you have to, it's your responsibility to learn how to work with log. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's other, there's a, a film convert. Is that what it's called? No, not film. Mm-hmm. What's their yeah, film thin match or city match? The same company. Makes both. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to use them a lot um, and their stuff's great. It's not as accurate as DaVinci's color space transformer, but it will get you uh, similar things. It will throw off hues if your white balance isn't set like close enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but the color space transformer, it's like internal mathematical algorithms that's converting that log footage into a scientifically accurate, uh, whatever you're putting it into. Mm -hmm. So video wise color science does not matter. Photo wise. I think it matters a tiny bit more only because if you're someone that's trying to just get a, say for a wedding shooter, I know a lot of wedding shooters just want a like, you know, simple look kind of camera. They might want it to look a little bit more filmic. Um, color science might matter for that. But again, when it comes to photos, if there's even more information in those files than there is in the video end. Yeah. So if they're, if they're, if you're shooting a raw and you're aware that you could do whatever you want with it, why are you then saying that you can't get the colors that you want out of it? Why are mm-hmm. you saying color science matters then? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it, it's just how you were touching on how people used to say uh, 8-bit versus 10-bit and this camera didn't have that and that camera didn't have this. That's no longer a thing anymore. So I think a lot of people are finding it hard to accept 
that all these cameras are great cameras. And if you can't get good work out of it, it's your, it's part because you suck ass at mm. <laughs> what you're trying to do and it's not the camera. Yeah. So I just well, think a lot of people are using it as an excuse. Yeah. I definitely, when I was watching your video and you said that, I was like, oh shoot, I felt a little convicted. So I downloaded DaVinci Resolve <laughs> and I actually did do an edit in DaVinci Resolve, which was an interesting experience. Mm. Um, definitely fun from a premiere guy. I struggled with the worst uh, editor for the longest time and I probably still will. Thanks to Armando. But um, actually Armando was texting me about DaVinci. He's like, I hear you edited something in DaVinci. And he's like, how is it? Because we're all curious. Anyone mm -hmm. who's on Premiere, they're all I'm like, not. I'm not telling curious. You. I'm happy. I, I, I like, um, <clears throat> I wish I could use Final Cut because there's a lot more plugins made for Final Cut. Mm -hmm. um, open source, just yeah. For, like, yeah. And then DaVinci, they're still... Um, I think their stuff's a little bit too advanced to where if you go into like their fusion where you could do like the nodes for effects, it's very overwhelming. Um, hmm. And so there's not a whole lot, of, like you go on all the websites to offer plugins, they don't have them for DaVinci yet. Um, Cause I think a lot of them are still trying to hmm. make plugins for it. Um, so that's the only reason that I wish I could use Final Cut, but everything else, DaVinci guys, like I don't, I don't get why people complain about editors. Like it's, a blade tool and yeah. moving clips. That's like 90% of what we're mm -hmm. doing. And then the most important part is the color grading. And that's DaVinci. Like, now the the most important part movies. is the keyboard shortcuts, which took me forever to figure out on the DaVinci program because it, they named everything really weird stuff. Do they not have like a Did premiere layout? Forever? Did it take you forever? No, did I didn't. Take, I did it. No, I did it in like, I, yesterday. I, I literally, started I did yesterday. it in a day. Um, <laughs> took me forever. It took see, me one day. Yeah, it took me like an hour <laughs> to like get it to work how I wanted to. For the most part, there's some things that I haven't figured out yet. Yeah. Like, does it have an audio like a music remix tool? Am I am I missing that, or does uh, yeah, that just um, in Premiere? What do you no, mean? No, no, the, they have cut um, it down with AI thing. Yeah, so it has like the AI. Premiere has this where I can literally take a song and like I need the song to be three minutes and it's a two minute song and I just drag it over and then it's mm -hmm. a three minute song. I love that. Uh, I use it a lot. I think that's a unique Adobe feature and yeah. I'm I love that feature. But I use it all the time mm -hmm. in Premiere. So that's one of the things that. I was like, oh, I wonder, I haven't figured it out. I got to do some more research. Maybe it's there. I just don't know. I used to just bounce it straight out of like either Audition or Premiere, just use that feature, make it exactly what I need, and then bounce yeah. it out over to Final Cut. That is a workflow you could do. Yeah, I didn't know that, that, that had that. I still, every day, like there's something I learn about DaVinci. So yeah. I, I have no idea. And they're constantly bringing out updates. They, they have a new audio tool to where um, <clears throat> it will, it's, like I've, I've tried so many audio plugins. I used to produce music for like a good eight years. So I have all this knowledge and how to get good audio and all that. Uh, DaVinci just came out with a plugin. Uh, it's it's in the, the software. You don't have to buy it or anything like that. And it's just like this dialogue isolator. And it literally takes out everything except for mm. your voice. And it makes your voice sound amazing. Like yeah. that I'm assuming they bought out some AI software company and then yeah. threw it into there. I think Final um, Cut had that clutch. first, right? Mm -hmm. Final Cut uh, yeah. got that first and DaVinci yeah. is Fine. now adopting it, which is great. Premiere doesn't have that yet. Uh, Final Cut hasn't had an update in like a year and a half. And some people are speculating that it's because in a couple of months, we're going to be finally seeing the Apple VR goggles and the headsets or whatever. And so we might actually see some tools for VR mm -hmm. and AR that will go towards the Apple headset. Um, so we'll see what Final Cut adds to the table. They're not killing it off or anything, but um, 
yeah, I mean, Resolve is just so much better at color. Uh, it's it's mind-blowingly good, especially for being free. Yeah. So the workflow yeah. that I think is the best for a Final Cut editor is to just keep editing in Final Cut, and then it's very easy to bounce it over to Resolve. Mm-hmm. That's how every movie in Hollywood operates. They edit in probably Avid, and then they send it over to, to Resolve. So Well, I think yeah, now I've- with Resolve, you can make it work like Final Cut, right? So it'll have a magnetic timeline and everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which I despise that menu. Yeah, I, I hate really? it too. There's, I hate it too. There's oh, the, okay. the edit page well, and the then. cut page. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if it works for you, no reason to switch. Oh, it's but so fast. I'm just, yeah. I've been doing out. the cut, the simple cut thing for all my life. So I'm just, that's what I'm used to. Yeah. And I'm so used to favoriting my clips um, and all that. I, I don't think anything has anything close to that um, for Final Cut. But you can learn more about that on my MZ course. <laughs> That's right. Final Cut Pro Editing by Dave Mays. Um, so C-Log 3, back to the kind of the all color sciences create equal these days, except if a camera shoots C-Log 3. Right. <laughs> like you keep bringing yeah. that up over and over and I've we've played around with C-Log 3 as well, trying to match to like my C-Log, uh, C-Log 2 image out of the C-70. Just see a lot of noise in the shadows a lot. Um, we've even tried like overexposing a couple stops and bringing it down. And then that creates issues as well. What are, what are some of the issues that you found using C-Log 3? Like, is that kind of the caveat to what you're saying earlier that you can get everything out of any camera, but because of C-Log 3, it kind of limits you a little bit on the hybrid cameras from Canon. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing color-wise. It's more dynamic range-wise. But, Connor, I remember you saying that your R5 was getting very noisy. Yeah. Um, I noticed when they put out the that one update that pretty much killed the overheating issue, mm-hmm. uh, which just goes to show that they could have freaking done that from the beginning. I know. They yep. didn't. Canon uh, but hammer. when they did that, I noticed more noise start to happen. And I think um, it's... I think the sensor is still getting pretty hot and it's causing the extra oh. noise. That's just my theory. Okay. Um, Interesting idea. Because I know it's the same thing um, that even the R5C, there are some inconsistencies sometimes where it would be extremely noisy in the shadows. And yeah. it's like, where is this coming from? Um, mm. Where other make, times, like when, sense, I when I first got it, it was insanely clean. It, it almost reminded me of the C70, the R5C did. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, the C70, it almost grades like raw footage. Like there's so much color mm-hmm. information in the blacks and in the whites. Like it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's filmic, but it's, that's a whole different tangent. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> just there's D-Log a, 3. I was just gonna say that, yeah, there's just a lot of room. Uh, there's just a lot of room on the C70. I've never had any issues. I, I feel like it just has a beautiful image straight out camera. It's clean. Looks great. Like I've yeah. never had any problems. That DGO with it. sensor is like amazing. But mm-hmm. if they would just do that in full frame for mm-hmm. the same price point, to it'll be, match it'll up be twelve grand. To this, it won't be the same <laughs> yeah, price. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, C Log Three. It's just the dynamic range. Like you could tell there are clipping dynamic range out of it. Mm-hmm. Just so we have to go and buy a more expensive camera that has C Log Two on it. Yeah. Um, and that more expensive camera again would be the C Seventy. But then you're having to work with a, a Super 35 sensor on a native RF mount, which doesn't have all that many lens options. And then you did you have to go and use a speed booster. Then you go and use EF lenses, and you're not getting as much uh, capabilities. And then you can't use anamorphics on the full frame. And it's just this this trickle down effect of compromises. Totally. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, 
unless again I go buy a damn C five hundred or however much what twenty thirty thousand dollars. It's sixteen thousand brand new. I think I think yeah. it that was we, original price. So my good friend Chris Haggerty, who I work with with Soundstripe, he owns the C five hundred Mark II. He's a DP operator here in Nashville, and he loves it. He he swears by it. Um, he better mostly, for that price, mostly because he's trying to justify his his <laughs> yeah. purchase. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but we shoot along my C70 alongside his C500 all the time. And there is kind of a magic to that sensor. It looks beautiful, but, uh, okay. the C70 is cleaner and it has better dynamic range and it's cheaper and it's oh, smaller. Wow. Um, so y- yes, you get full frame, but technically less dynamic range and, um, yeah. a little bit noisier. We shot with the C500 Mark II with Armando or when I was shooting with Armando and mm-hmm. I did, I really loved that era of working with Armando just because the camera was, it was fun to use in a yeah. way and did have that mojo, that old school Canon mojo that we're <laughs> yeah. missing out on these days. Um, but yeah, it's way too much money for what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Like again, this will pretty much do, I think majority of that. I'm assuming the look that you could get out of the C500, it's probably another notch up, but mm-hmm. for everything that I need, like, yeah, it's this is just it's i could go on forever about mm-hmm. this camera just because and by the way he's pointing within to the, the first 15 he's pointing to the uh zv1 right now yeah listening <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah actually i own that camera and that camera actually looked great it was super noisy so i had to run a shit ton of noise reduction mm. um but i was just showing some of my buddies it does that look good. they just bought one yeah and the highlight roll off is great on that camera it's weird <laughs> but again, that has S log three in it. I know That's a freaking cheap little point and shoot camera. And it has freaking S log three. Mm-hmm. I shot a wedding yeah, with that camera. Canyon. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think I saw that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Connor and I, that was, you did a video on it, right? That was goofy. That's yeah. Fun. Yeah. That was, that was one of my, that yeah, was yeah. the last video I posted on my channel. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago. Rest in peace. No, <laughs> no we it got, will be redeemed. We got plans. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, you were pointing to the FX six. Um, so tell me why why do you have both the FX6 and the A7R f- 5 5 sorry yeah five. like what what is it that makes you have to have a cinema camera because the A7R 5 is pretty good for video yeah i mean i would never use the A7R 5 for like proper video gigs hmm. um i mean you can never is a strong um, word why why never i would never <clears throat> i mean just in, in well, comparison the- to the FX6 i got way better uh, noise performance. Mm-hmm. The A7R5, I just did a video on it. There is some noise on mm-hmm. it, um, but if you expose properly, that's the thing with Sony. Uh, another quick little tangent uh, with sure. Sony, like you expose far to the right, and you it still holds a lot of the highlights. And so when you bring it down in post, you hide all the noise that's in there. Versus on the R5, doesn't have great dynamic range in the highlights, so you can't really expose to the right too much. But then if you don't expose to the right too much, or not enough then you clip your blacks. Mm-hmm. So that's where the issue comes in with the, the Canon. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, I have 12,800 base ISO, 800 ISO on here. Um, so just that alone, even if I had the FX3, uh, the sensor readout for rolling shutter, um, I, I think those are probably like the two main things where mm-hmm. I would prefer to use those cameras as like an actual video dedicated Plus- camera rather R5. Well, and then you got that amazing uh, electronic ND on that thing, which I'm jealous of. That's like mm-hmm. the coolest feature ever. They've had it for a while. I think the original FS3 had it. Um, but 
Yeah. yeah. When I heard about that feature, I was like, that's stupid. I wouldn't use that. And yeah, now I'm, I, I'm what curious. Do you mean? Yeah, well, no, because it's, it, it's just like, you know, it's like putting it in auto white balance. You know, it's like, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do that. And then all I've ever heard from it is like, it's actually kind of good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, so I was in the same mindset as you, Connor. Yeah. And then when I actually used it again, when I was on that Montana shoot, I got sick of dialing thumbing up the, the ND. So I put on auto. Uh, and it was underexposing a little bit too much. And I dove in the settings, all this within 10 minutes mm-hmm. and I adjusted it to where it would overexpose it, but still save the highlights. Um, the auto ND is like perfection. Like when this wow. whole camera came out, I didn't take it serious. I was like, this thing looks tacky. It looks like a toy. Like I'm never going to use that auto ND. Like that's a gimmick. Like, mm-hmm. and then once I actually, you know, stop being an asshole about it and <laughs> actually <laughs> studied up on it and then tried it out. I was like, I felt like an, I, I said it on my video. I felt like an idiot for ignoring it because yeah. it's truly just a great versatile, mm. uh, just workhorse cinema camera for nice. $6,000 full frame. That's yeah. like, pretty crazy. Does it have the catalyst browse, uh, ability to like stabilize it and stuff? Yeah. I haven't tested it though, but, um, yeah, it does. Cool. So that, so basically, think, yeah, you can, you can shoot probably, I guess you still got to do the same tricks, you know, shoot at a higher shutter angle and then you can just get some handheld shots that are really shaky and then bring it into catalyst browse and stabilize it in post using the gyro data. Now, I feel the same way about that as I would about the auto ND thing. Although I was proved uh, that's incorrect with that, but that sounds stupid. And I wouldn't, I don't think I'd use that. <laughs> I wouldn't but shoot I've seen that it every once in a I, while. I have, um, I have yet to use it. I just got the, the new, because uh, I crashed the Vado when I was in, I think it was in New Mexico a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, and then I just got a new one in. Um, <clears throat> but that, that DJ- has the gyro stuff too. A DJI the- FPV drone is what he's holding. Yeah. There. yeah. Um, and uh, the gyro stuff works amazing on it. So I'm hmm. assuming it's going to be the same mm-hmm. thing. But granted, um, I'm going to be an asshole right now. Uh, I shoot properly handheld. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't have to ever really use stabilization that often. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times where I'm trying to do gimbal movements. I do like this uh, sumo wrestler leg spread thing. I've done a video on it before, and I kind of just shift like this. Mm-hmm. I will use um, stabilization and all that, but I end up using stabilization stabilization more on my gimbal shots than I mm-hmm. do on actual handheld. And stabilization um, built into Resolve, too, is some of the best I've seen. So if you ever need to mess around with it uh it is there in post fix it in post yeah yeah um so yeah tell me about um okay here why are your cameras green and how can i make mine green (laughs) yeah uh mainly because i'm pretentious second because uh i don't know if you i did a short on it but uh when i was in montana i'm walking on ice through horseshit uh, I'm on the back of a quad and there's mud coming up in our face. Mm-hmm. There's dust being spit everywhere. So this is kind of just, um, to help resell value when it comes time to upgrade again. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of helps. And you, every camera that I've done it to, uh, whoever ends up buying it, they end up just keeping it on there. Cause it does look pretty cool. It does look good. Um, what company when I first that? did it, uh, alpha guard is the one that I go to, but there's a handful. I had to get this one off, um, Alibaba though. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took okay. a couple of weeks to get in, but, um, yeah, I first did it to my Komodo and a bunch of people went and like bought skins for it, but they've got the most obnoxious 
people are doing them pink and neon and it's that's not the point of it guys like it's to you know you're just help. mimicking the like uh what's the one that's green the reporter edition. the reporter yeah. Yeah, that's what you're doing well i'm actually mimicking the canon uh f1 i think it was that oh, they had a they? safari version of it yeah did they really Ooh, i'm well, yeah. looking mm-hmm. to getting one of them i saw you posted you posted maybe a short a youtube short or a reel or something with your fuji x100 and you had the skin the skin on it with a silver body and it looked so much like a Leica uh you're reporter. St- you're still in that Fuji gang. Let's go. Look at that. Look at how nice that literally looks like a Leica reporter edition now. Yeah. This this is still my favorite camera. Like this is I mine's starting to have a little bit of issues. Every time I turn on like the settings start flickering. I don't know what that's all about. Dude, okay wait. Um, hold this on. Is- oh wait, pause. Pause. That's interesting because I just got sent uh by Fujifilm they sent me the X T five and I took it out of the box and I turned it on and that exact same thing started happening to the X-T5. The, all the settings started flickering um, yeah. and I couldn't get it to stop. What... And I I think it might be a firmware issue or something, I'm not really sure, but because huh. my X-T4 isn't updated and it doesn't have any issues at all. Maybe yeah. it is, I don't know why, I don't know. But it... Uh, it's not working. Oh, well, anyways. He sent me a video and you went to, you drove all the way to Chattanooga, to, which was like a, what, it was a couple hour, hours, it was a couple two, hour three hours drive. to go do a shoot. You showed up, kept flickering, doing all these weird things. So yeah. who knows? So anyways, that's interesting that that's happening to you as well. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the issue is. I, I sent them an email because um, <laughs> I love Fujifilm cameras. And so I was really excited to play around with the X-T5. Um, what do you guys like about them? They're just fun to shoot with. They just like mm-hmm. you get one in your hand. You're like, I just want to go shoot like the stupidest stuff. Like I'll, I'll go shoot <laughs> flowers with it. I won't really, but uh, that's the mindset it puts you in. Versus yeah. on my R5 and R5C gear, anytime I held those, it's just it was like work. It was like time to go to work kind of yeah, thing. Totally. Uh, no. So they're not as inspiring. Similar with the Sony's. Um, mm. Not as much with this camera. This camera is pretty fun to shoot with. Um, but the Fuji is just, it just sparks your inner photographer. Yeah. I when I would, um, my friends would always ask me, it's like, why don't you bring your camera when we go on road trips or whatever? It's like, cause I'm like, if I bring it, I'm working, you know, like yeah. that's just kind of how it is. But the Fuji film, like you're saying, it's just kind of fun to have around. It's, it doesn't feel like a burden to, to carry, especially with the X100V. I wish I had one of those, but they're like impossible to come by right now. I was going to sell my T4 for one of those, but. Just get the uh, the version below it, the F or whatever. No, um, no but it's, it's really uh, good too. no way, <laughs> not even gonna happen. But they're the V's are selling for like two grand right now, which is nuts. Yeah, I, I'm still confused on how that. I just bought this one four months ago for like a thousand dollars. It just it just happened. It is like well, they maybe about more. Yeah, it's like four months ago. They just there was like a craze that happened. So. They can't fulfill the orders anymore, so they stopped producing it because I think they're just gonna make a new one. Yeah, you're gonna. I don't know it? the rumors, but huh. I'll probably get it. Yeah. Yeah. The new yeah. one? Yeah. If there's a new one, I'll probably get it. Especially, I mean, I don't know. I, I was playing around with the T5 just for a little bit before I started freaking out. And I, I do like it. It is nice. I do like it. Um, and F-Log 2 seems like it's going to be really nice, um, but I haven't really yeah. gotten to test it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching Gerald's video about F-Log 2 with the X-H2S. I like that camera. And I played with that one. It's good. He was saying that like in the... 
I don't know, he got really technical. But basically, there is like if you shoot certain settings, um, you could get up to like 14 usable stops of dynamic range. Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if you turn off the noise reduction. Yeah, that's um, what it was. But you turn off. Because I own that camera too. And that camera is very noisy. Yeah. Um, but it's because they're just giving you that full, it's almost like a full sensor kind of readout on dynamic range wise. Mm. Um, and I think that's why there's so much noise because they're just trying to give you as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, but it cleans up nicer than the A7R5 does. The A7R5 right. have to use chroma noise reduction as well. Mm -hmm. Or on the Fuji, I didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. Gerald but was that saying... camera, Oops, it's, that, it's not like a workhorse camera for on the level of stuff that I'm doing. So it just became like my road trip um, YouTube camera, which yeah. it was fun to use. Um, but I got rid of that too when I switched over to Sony just to yeah. help make the transition less financially bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Sony gear is expensive. I mean, not the camera bodies necessarily, because like you said, six grand for the FX6 isn't bad, but it's really the lenses where they get you. Yeah. In what world do you live in where six grand is not? For what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's all yeah. Six grand still a lot of money. <laughs> it's all comparative. Yeah, yeah. in relative, to, yeah, obviously comparing to other cinema cameras, but... Um, you know, I still have to pause and think how blessed I am that, you know, I have a $5,000 laptop and a $4,000 camera. Like it, these are all things I would have killed to have when I was first getting started, you know? So just Dang. back in the T2i days, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I noticed in your, I loved, by the way, your kind of your big kind of statement that you're switching to Sony video. I think a lot of people enjoyed it as well. You seemed angry. At Canon, can I you, was. I was very angry. <laughs> can you elaborate on that? Like, what is it about Canon that makes you so angry? And then, kind of, what's your statement to Canon? Like, you've already switched at this point, but like, if they're going to listen to this, like, and take your advice, like, what are the things that made you so angry that made you want to switch? And what can they do to make it better? Well, I mean, I was originally happy with it. <clears throat> but you know, with all the Sony content, which I think this is where people have an issue with Sony is, oh, like all these creators are using it. But I remember back then too, I thought that Sony was just buying people out and blah, 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 mm -hmm. <clears throat> which any camera brand, just how you guys got, uh, uh, the Panasonic and a lineup of lenses. Like yeah, Sony is doing the same thing. Canon, I'm sure is doing it to certain people too. Mm. Just not, I don't not think so. I don't even think, yeah. I don't even know if Peter McKinnon gets <laughs> Canon cameras. I'm sure Peter well, does. Maybe. He's, I think he's probably over it too, honestly. Yeah, he's still <laughs> but, using it. Yeah, so why were you so angry and what are some of the things that <laughs> oh, yeah. like they can learn from your experience and, and change, you know? So as I started to like listen on to what Sony had, um, I finally just got over all of it and I started to look at my own Canon gear and there was always that little bit of, uh, um, you just, I'm on a gig. I'm like, I wonder if the Sony would have been easier to use on this. And then when I went to Peru to do that gig, a photographer got sick. When I went to Peru and I did that gig, our photographer got sick and I had to step in to do photos. This was like the first time I only took one camera body with me. It just happened to be the time that I should have had two. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the R5C, I was like, oh, R5C is going to handle it. But then it dawned on me as I'm doing the first looks within the first 10 minutes, my battery's already a quarter gone or quarter left in battery life. And I was like, this isn't going to work today. Um, oh, and man. so it was, it was very, um, yeah, that, that was kind of it. Um, and then before that too, when they announced the whole, lens lawsuit thing mm -hmm. I, I that's when i started getting a little suspicious and my mind started being like wait a second <clears throat> so when i got back from peru that's when i did the deep dive in sony 
and I noticed that everything that I had issues with with the Canon, which I didn't even wasn't aware of at the time, because you know I was just shooting my Canon stuff and I had blinders on. And then come to find out that Sony again offers way more dynamic range, no matter what the camera is, better ISO performance, better battery life, better lenses, better overall things. Um, that's when it just dawned on me. I was like, Canon doesn't care about us. They don't <laughs> give two shits on on if they're there for us, trying to help us. Like we're all creatives, like trying to work our ass off to make a living off being cre- like being creative. We're having to deal with all these brands. We're having to deal with all these negotiations and getting invoices to clear. I don't want to have to worry about my gear as well, trying to keep up on all the other stresses that I have, especially when I'm on set. And a lot of the times now, when I get hired, uh, specifically on those gigs where there's stills and motion happening at the same time, I'm now being like the creative directors come up to me like, Hey, can you direct the shoot? I'm like the photographer's bargain pay four times as much to me. Why the hell am I having to do extra work now? But you know, I'm going to step up to the plate because it's just, this is what I love to do. And so I don't want to have to worry about if my blacks or whites are clipping while I'm trying to direct and, you know, give the brand the best that I can get. So I can also get the best video for myself so I can get to the next level. I don't have to stress about any of that. And that's why I said the A7R5 is kind of a boring camera because I don't have to stress about any of it. It just does what I need in those situations. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. To Canon, like, I think it's already obvious so many people are switching. Um, there's even a, a, I don't I don't want to say his name because I won't put him out there, but he's even, he's another YouTuber. He's contemplating switching to the FX6. Actually, he already bought the FX6. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think he put the video out yet. But <clears throat> no, we're not selling out to Sony. Uh, they just they're are they are literally offering better options for us. Um, no, I didn't sell out to them. Uh, they did loan me some lenses, which was sick because during that transition, I dropped like what ten to fifteen thousand dollars on all this gear, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I don't want to buy out. Like, go and buy another freaking five lenses. So Sony loaned me some lenses last minute just for those shoots. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep doing that, but because um, I didn't talk about them or anything like that but um you're talking about them now yeah, they're just, what are you talking about like, yeah, and these you, videos, yeah. <laughs> that's all you talked about yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know um but yeah that's just what they want. And, like i mean you're gonna like, keep yes you're not that. talking about us that's yes, right <laughs> <laughs> these aren't the droids you're i mean for. yeah i mean even when i was emailing them i even told them i was like regardless if you guys end up working with me or not i'm switching like, I don't give two shits if you guys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just seeing what opportunities are there mm-hmm. uh, for YouTube-wise and helping my personal projects. Like, yeah. I'm up front. My YouTube, I'm trying to build up an audience so I can um, use that so I can do my personal projects. Uh, and those personal projects are, like, documenting indigenous stories, reservations, eventually maybe doing future films. But, um, yeah, just the canon. Like, you're going to keep losing us. I They already know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the next mm-hmm. like two to two to five years they're gonna come back swinging, but it's gonna be too late for a lot of us because we're all gonna be switched. So yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So can you go into more detail about some of these projects that you're working on? I know that you were saying you're doing a lot of um, you're you're trying to work on some documentaries. I think with um, the Native American community, especially your tribe that you're from. So can you go into more detail about that? Yeah, I mean, just circling it all back to the beginning, uh, when I moved out of California, uh, I've always wanted to document more of my own community, my people, um, but I just, I don't know why, I just, I've always t- 
talked about it, but I never put it into action. And for some reason, the past six months, uh, I got put on this pretty big project and it was kind of the catalyst of me just like, I think it's time that I do this. Like, I don't know why I haven't been doing it yet. Um, that's what really triggered the whole switch. But anyways, um, yeah, I just want to do more for my community after I've gotten to work with so many giant brands. I never thought I'd be able to work with. I've accomplished so much. Like I've, I'm not trying to brag or anything here, but I've, in my own life, I've done more things that I thought I would ever do that like things I didn't even dream of doing mm -hmm. I've done now. And so after you get past a certain limit of those, you start thinking like, but what, like it's doesn't like, I don't feel any better from it. Still feel a little bit empty about my work. And it's just because if you're not, if you don't have a community, if you're not trying to help a community, if you're not doing anything that's worthwhile, if you're not worried about, not just your legacy, but just your community's legacy. Um, you're always just going to be creating empty work. Um, and so my mind has just grown so much in the past few years. And that's just the mindset that I'm in now is documenting, helping, telling stories that are not about me, that are bigger than me, uh, being a little bit more selfless uh, and, and doing more for the world. Um, yeah that's a little bit dramatic, but more for my community. Well, so, again, that's what, that was the catalyst to all this. Yeah. So when you're saying you wanted to do more of these things, what are some of these things that you're, what, what are these stories that you're trying to tell if you don't mind sharing? Yeah. yeah. So there's, um, if you go and watch any documentary on indigenous people, uh, a lot of it's based on the trauma, mm -hmm. um, which is cool that uh, it's being shared, but I feel people still lack empathy for the community if they just hear all the downsides. Um, it's not relatable to most Americans. And so I want to do my part in covering a lot of the positive, beautiful aspects of it and telling empowering stories about Indigenous people. It's where non-Indigenous people can have more empathy and relate and be like, oh, this is why we should be more respectful. This is why we should care because it is a beautiful culture that was almost killed mm -hmm. purposely. Um, so I just want to do my part in, in sharing that. So I'm going to start small. I'm going to start within my own community, not saying my own community is small, but um, doing more uh, just from the people I know. And then I'm mm -hmm. hoping that I can grow that into bigger projects um, that, again, that are above me. Yeah. Um, so what community uh, is yeah, it? That, my, like my tribe. Yeah. What's your tribe? Yeah. You keep talking. Uh, Don Atham from uh, Southern Arizona, our south to Tucson. Uh, nice. Yeah. Is, is that why you are considering moving to Arizona as well to be near yep. that? Yep. So awesome. I get within like an hour of the reservation and I can start going out there more and um, just being more part of the community. They're, they're a little bit of a vulnerable topic. Um, my great grandma was sent from a boarding school from the reservation into Riverside, California. Um, and that's how my family got put out to California and got separate from the reservation. So I didn't mm. grow up in the community. So now I'm having, as an adult, I'm having to do a lot of um, work, which I love doing on trying to um, get re involved and uh, get put back into the community. Um, so again, this is all like documentaries I want to cover is like the boarding schools and all this. Like, it's just, there's a lot to it. Um, cool. That's exciting stuff though. Yeah. What is, um, where are you going to host this stuff? Do you think you're going to shoot for like getting a proper, you know, like I don't know, Netflix or something? Or are you thinking about just doing another <coughs> YouTube channel or your current YouTube channel? Like where are people going to be able to find this? 
I have no idea. I'm honestly just focused on getting the work done. Yeah. Um, once the projects are up, um, it's really hard because, I mean, there are a lot of platforms that are, are indigenous like platforms to share them on. Um, but right now I'm focusing on just getting more involved in the community and putting like just getting uh, uh, everything on film first. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the smaller projects to, to start off on. Uh, and then I'm going to worry about the rest later. Um, so in the next three to six months, I'm just trying to film whenever I can. Uh, and then we'll see from there. I was thinking about doing a separate YouTube channel, but I feel like that isn't um, the best option for where these should be. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's that's that's the hard part. It's like, and also trying to get funding because I want to do less and less brand work uh, with like fashion mm-hmm. brands and stuff. And if I could just totally focus on just making these documentaries, um, that's where again the YouTube comes in. Mm-hmm. The more I could grow my YouTube channel, the more I'm just going to leverage all that into these passion projects. Maybe uh, maybe Sony will sponsor you. <laughs> sponsor I mean, Sony. Spo- sponsor your uh, documentary series totally. that'd be kind of cool so yeah i mean yeah. i think i think here's just my uh unasked for business advice on that whole thing but my yeah, thought is, is you, you utilize your audience you know that you've built of camera you know photographers filmmakers uh etc and you can open that up to maybe a patreon or a membership of some sort that can then go towards that and then also you can now start pitching these ideas to brands seriously like sony like even Storyblocks, whoever you're working with for even just YouTube ads, it's like, hey, if you guys can pay me a little bit more, like this will not only go on my main channel with like a gear review or whatever, but I could put that towards uh, a film. You know, I'm making a short film about this this one thing in this area. I would love for you to be a part of it and you can be, you know, a partner in that. And then the beautiful thing is too, like you can kind of plan these shoots around certain things that you know will do well on your YouTube channel. So you know, if you want to do like a specific thing about a new camera, well, you get the new camera, you go shoot your short film on that camera. And then now you've got all this great B-roll that you can use on your main uh, channel as well, which then you can cross pollinate with the, Hey, sign up for, if you know, I'm self-supported here. I do all this on my own. I'm, you know, self-employed. If you want to help contribute for uh, these films and different things, uh, you can sign up for my Patreon down below, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, just an idea. Yeah. No, yeah, thank you for that advice. Um, but I'm sure you've already thought portions of that. Of that. Basic. Well, <laughs> portions of it, but you you definitely gave me more to think about too. So thank you. Um, yeah, you can see my gears are turning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but the hard part is I've already I've already had like fashion brands because um, you know when I'm on these bigger shoots, like we go out and we have uh, crew dinners and everything, and we're all talking about like it's usually pretty positive atmospheres on most shoots. Um, and this is uh, this is the thing that always came up. And some of the like even larger fashion brands, they want to, they've offered to sponsor some of it, but it's hard because I don't want to affiliate any of that because there's a lot of uh, uh, brands that want to try to ride on the backs of the indigenous movement mm. to make it seem like you know. So then yeah. that's the other thing with the YouTube. I that that would keep it clean and clear. Yeah. Sure. Um, so maybe self-supported then <laughs> could be good. I mean, uh, yeah. there, there's f- fans who who believe in you and, and believe in this project that they just want to help you uh, accomplish that. And then it can stay pretty clean. Uh, I agree with that. that yeah. There's a lot of companies that see an opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. You see a lot of companies at certain times of the year during certain months or certain days posting their 
their tweets that, you know, culture tells them they have to post. And it's like, do you really care? I don't really think so. I think yeah. it's just a marketing ploy. Yeah, most uh, of them. Yeah, most of them don't. Uh, but that, again, that's why I, I adore YouTube. I love it to death because I can talk about all this nerdy stuff on the camera technical side and it could go in and help the actual like important things to me, the more totally. of the passion project. So I'm insanely grateful for YouTube. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for everyone who subscribes to me because you guys are getting me one inch closer to uh, my dreams that I want to uh, attack. And uh, I want to bring them with me on all that because I'm learning during it. And whatever I learn, I want to give back to the YouTube community so they can learn with me. So, Heck yeah. Well, that feels like a good note to end it on. I think we've been going <laughs> for a good bit here. Uh, by the way, uh, if you want to shout out your your YouTube channel, is it just Cam Mackey on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's just Cam Mackey. Yeah, so make sure everyone who's listening to this, if you don't already yeah. watch Cam Mackey, make sure to check out Cam Mackey on YouTube or his Instagram. His Instagram's great as well. does a lot of really cool stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Cam, for coming on the show, yeah. man. It's great to meet yeah. you in person finally. Well, not in per- yeah, virtually. Finally. Yeah, virtually. technically. Yeah. Yeah. And better light. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I've been Dave Mays, and this is... Connor McCaskill. We'll see you next time.